expert YouTube editor. <laughs> he hates us so much. I just wait till the class is quiet. <laughs> We're white people listen. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Did you have that in front of you or just did he finally put the label maker on the top of his computer <laughs> did it not look like i was reading it, it, <laughs> it did not like it reading. looked like you were trying to remember <laughs> or else you couldn't see because your eyesight isn't quite up to snuff well that's a possibility too <laughs> listen here we are fi garage money mechanic with you and my two jack wagon friends the economist and the accountant good day Hello. You guys still haven't mastered the art of like talking one at a time. <laughs> no. I, I find this in the editing no. regularly. <laughs> no, never going to do it. it. <laughs> yeah, just dive right in. So today, boys, we are, well, two big things. We've got another round of drinks, which Stephen bought us. Thank you, Stephen. And the economist got sent out to bravely go to the store and risk his life. And he came back with this one. It's called No Boats on Sunday, which the accountant and I quickly disagreed with because boating on a Sunday is absolutely fine. Yeah, why can't I boat on <laughs> Sunday? I, I was uh, immediately I'll tell offended. you. I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Before you tell us that then, just a shout. Thanks, Stephen. And he did specify that this was going to be a cider episode, which breaks away from our beer norm, which is kind of exciting, except I'm not sure how to judge cider. Like, I mean, I make apple cider, but I make it from like sunripe apple juice when it's a dollar a liter <laughs> and it tastes like apple juice, fizzy apple juice with booze. I'm not like, <laughs> you know, beer I can kind of tell, but uh, this is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to trying it. What's the blurb you got there, economist? Okay. No boats on Sunday pays homage to a time in Halifax when hardworking locals restricted boat traffic on Sundays because they did it for work. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> We believe in the importance of being present in the moment and truly experiencing the things we love most. Our locally sourced apples are freshly pressed and crafted for you to enjoy a balanced, flavorful, and crisp cider. We encourage you to put your work down and enjoy. And their hashtag here is Oars Up. Oars Up. Oars Up. And this is, uh, it uses BC apples and it's from Kelowna, BC. Right. So we were just going to kind of make fun of you before you got on here because mm -hmm. how many cideries are there on the island? Well, and you decided for our first cider, we were going to pick one from Kelowna. Well, it, cause it, it was called no boats on Sunday. <laughs> so was that you like, chirping us? Cause we have boats or <laughs> no, no boats on the road to five. <laughs> no boats on the road to five. No, but, all right. Okay. Fine. Fair, fair. All right. Cheers. So, boys. Well, just cheers. before, I, ha I have a little more to say oh. on the cider. Okay, well, uh, cheers, accountant. I'll pour mine while I talk. Yeah. I was kind of curious, okay, the BC apples, Kelowna, BC, why has it got this Halifax story on the back, right? Yeah. The people move, move there so from Halifax. I, I looked up the website there for No Boats on Sunday, and it doesn't say really where they're from, but they do have No Boats on Sunday, Nova Scotia cider. And no boats on Sunday, Ontario cider, made with apples from those provinces. So if you're listening on the middle of the country or the other side of the country, you can get yourself some no boats 
on Sunday too. No boats on Sunday. That sounds like he's covering his ass there. Yeah. 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 Sure. Anyway, uh, here it is. It's, I mean, again, I'm not sure how to judge cider, but it is super clear and really light colored. You guys aren't Oh, you got yours in a glass. Mine's in a glass. It's a little sweet for me. You like a dryer? Are you like a scrumpy style? Like, what does a scrumpy mean? Is that fizzy or not fizzy? I don't know. We're the beer guys. I know. <laughs> Why? Somebody, please hit us up this on is- social media and tell us how to judge a good cider. Yeah, this is a little sweet for my taste. I would like it a little less. Yeah, I like sweet. no sugar in my cider. Do you yeah. want to go a little time out and throw some vodka in there or what? <laughs> <laughs> a little sneaky <laughs> Russian will get the day going. <laughs> That'll get us into the episode. Oh, this this episode is ridiculous. Ridiculous, boys. Ridiculous. Okay, let's, okay right, so, let's get at it. I mean, you know, clearly we don't do enough research for some of our episodes. <laughs> right. But I went down a freaking like excavator size rabbit hole this afternoon because there's so much, there's so much information. And you can get like thrown off onto these other spurs and in other directions. And what we're talking about is green energy. And I think this kind of fits really well with what we talked about uh, just recently on a previous episode with tech investing, not necessarily because there's like overlap in the companies, even though there is like a lot of new tech going into green energy, but because it's like the market run up on it has been insane in the last like six months to a year. It's gotten so popular and so many of the earnings, like valuations are so high compared to earnings. It's getting a little insane. Kind of like the opposite of coal. <laughs> the opposite of coal. Yeah, absolutely. Did, didn't the economist have a coal play last year? I think I he did have, have a coal play. We still <laughs> have the coal play. There oh, you go. Yeah. Uh, we should short the coal play. Coal play um, or cold play? Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to go. Nobody, there. nobody. Uh, so cold before we get too deep no, into they don't. I like that one song. You guys always made fun of me, but I'm not going to even tell you. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, before we get too deep into this episode, though, Second important mention is that not only are we kicking ass and getting a round of beers to share. Can you say ass on YouTube? Because maybe I'll, I'll have to look that up. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so sorry, YouTube police. <laughs> I guess it depends how you frame it. If it's in a sentence about a donkey, it's okay. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So uh, second note is that this episode has been sponsored by Gian and Kristen from Fire We Go. So we'll hear a little bit more about them later in the episode, but thank you very much to them for shouting out and sponsoring this episode as well. So moving right on, boys, where do you even want to start with green energy? I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought you were the host. <laughs> so, so, so I no, no, hold on. I've got, I've got, I, okay. This is how much I he asked to... me where I want to go. And then he doesn't let me talk. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I give you like the one second pause. I, there's just crickets on the line. Um, no, I had to actually, I've got multiple browser windows open so I can kind of keep things organized on my end. But why don't you start us off accountant? Well, I was going to say, so like all of these valuations are out of hand on a lot of these green tech companies. And how many of them do you think are just greenwashing and how many are actually renewable? Okay. So do you want to start at greenwashing? Let's start at greenwashing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's start at greenwashing then. Fine. Let me pull up my article for greenwashing. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> of course. <you> do. 
<laughs> Can't wait to put all these in the show notes. Yeah, this time I'm not going to actually send you them, though. I'm going to make you go find these links yourself. Ugh. You'll never find them if you don't send them. I know. No, I, know. I can barely find them when you do send them. <laughs> yeah. I'm technologically impaired. We know this. Speaking specifically about energy here, so because I think we can get really off track really quickly here when we talk about sure. tech and greenwashing and on all the rest of it. But I did find a article that was written and this is a key thing too is trying to find stuff that's fairly current that has some relevance right so this one was july 2020 and it was called greenwashing hydropower and i thought it was actually pretty it's very well written it's a more of an academic type study uh authored by andrea sutherland and she talks about how i won't go into super details of the article here but she basically says you know, for the listeners, what is greenwashing, right? It's disinformation disseminated by an organization so as to present an environmentally responsible image. And these are just excerpts from the article. It says 94% of Canada's so-called green products were found to be guilty of greenwashing in 2017. So a little older there, but right. she says, you know, goes on to say greenwashing maximizes profits and minimize losses. It's illegal under Canadian advertising law. And it leads to increased skepticism of the green movement, of course, because then we start wondering what's true and what's not true. Yeah. But it was pretty interesting because she goes, she speaks specifically to hydroelectric, which of course is huge in Quebec and it's big here in BC as well. And it basically says that some of the, I guess if you want to call them positive environmental messages that some companies are now sharing are actually byproducts of some other research that they were doing in in Quebec. They were trying to prove that there wasn't greenhouse gas release from the reservoirs to the U S. So the U S would keep buying it. And this was years ago. And then they're like, Oh, that actually makes us look better for green energy. So they throw that into the marketing now. And you've probably noticed for like BC hydro, you've got, uh, when was the last time you saw any kind of media media from them? It's always like beautiful pictures of clean, pristine wilderness and landscape and all the rest of it. And, that essentially is a form of greenwashing is you're presenting an image of your industry that may not be representative a hundred percent of what you've done to the environment. If you built a dam, if you flooded a lake, if you had to log to put roads in power lines, whatever the situation may be, it's misrepresentation. And that's really what greenwashing is at its heart. Right. So, and I think the, I mean, and I'm not saying a lot of this stuff isn't better than the alternative. Ah, A lot of this stuff, it's not like it's not better than the alternative, but to say damming up a river and flooding a big, oh God, and flooding a big part of land, like you're cutting off an ecosystem or it, or changing at the very least. So yeah. there are, like you can't say that these, just because it's a renewable resource, it doesn't have environmental impacts. Yeah, no, totally agree, right? right? I mean. But well, and I think because ESG investing has gotten so big lately, a lot of people want to be able to fall into those categories. So you're getting more and more culprits of greenwashing because they want ESG funds are getting bigger and bigger. And they want companies want to be, in the funds, be in so their funds, stock goes up. So their stock goes up. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. And that's where we can totally get derailed here when we start running into ESG and all the rest of it. So staying with the energy theme, yeah, go ahead, Economist. Well, what counts as, as green energy? Does hydro count? Because, I mean, hydro's been in BC since we've been around. 
I think it's still classified as green energy. It's a non-fossil fuel energy. How about that? Right. Yeah. So from that sense, it's green. But the the flooding, the damming, the cost of building, the rebuilding, like this one, it's a huge issue in the states right now. Is like the crumbling dams that they have across the whole of the right. country. I can't remember what documentary yeah. we watched, but it's insane. And the cost to go in and remediate to remove the dam and bring things back to their natural, you know, pristine mm-hmm. form before that is astronomical cost. So you got to factor that all in as well, right? Well, with, uh, I don't know, with batteries, there's big environmental impact from batteries. What about from solar panels? Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get there, though, let's just finish off on the screen washing part here, because I got one more thing I just want to share. And then, yeah, I mean, you're right. We can keep going into each one of these renewables and going and and asking those questions. Right. So the other thing I just wanted to add in here, because then I can get rid of, then I can get rid of a tab on my screen. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. have you guys, I sent you this and for some reason you don't like my video suggestions. I don't know if you're too busy watching The Office or what it is, but there is a documentary that came out in 2019 and it was, or it is called Planet of the Humans. And if the listeners are interested, you can find it on YouTube for free. It's a full length documentary. It's also on Netflix. Oh, is it on Netflix now? Pretty sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Basically, it says here, I'll just uh, read a small excerpt. It says, the film examines the decision of mainstream environmental groups and leaders to partner with billionaires, corporations, and wealthy family foundations in the fight to save the planet said to be in crisis. The film questions whether green energy can solve the problem of society's expanding resource depletion without reducing consumption and population growth. As all existing forms of energy generation require consumption of finite resources. That's a really interesting point that we need to talk about too. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. So essentially the film questions whether renewable energy sources such as biomass energy, wind power, and solar energy are as renewable as they are portrayed to be. And, you know, the documentary is a little bit contrarian and I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to be a spoiler on, on what it's about, but I think it's really interesting when, Things can really get greenwashed and portrayed like they are green and they are good. But the fact that you're burning biomass to generate electricity is not necessarily renewable, right? And it's not necessarily good for the environment, right? And But we've seen a, a ton of, like, coming back to the FI part of this, right? We've seen a ton of money going into all of this stuff. How does that impact how we're investing and how does that impact our ETFs and and, you know, it becomes another one of those, like we talked in the tech episode, are you starting to have a thematic tilt to your ETF investing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a big part oh, of bringing it all back. <laughs> How did that become such a part of my common language? So, so in case you missed the episode that hasn't come out yet, <laughs> we are now drinking whenever the accountant says, I mean. And this is all because I was listening to an episode to do show notes, and I was like, who is this guy? He sounds like an idiot. <laughs> oh, wait, that's keep, me. Keep saying I mean all the time. <laughs> so so that's that's why you'll hear drink. You can play along at home. Yeah, play along yeah, at home. Yeah, it's the FI Garage yeah. drinking. And clearly, I'm keeping a tally up here. So uh, for those... Yeah, on, if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> if you're showing up late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but so, so we won't interrupt you anymore because it's more fun just okay. to talk it up. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so the whole investing side of this is 
are people just riding the wave or is there actual fundamental revenue and profit driven things going on in this business? Or is it all about, I can greenwash this and I'm going to get a bunch of investment dollars and my stock price is going up. Like what's RNW at right now? It's like 2083. No, no, no. For price earnings. Oh, price earnings. Oh, it's at 67 as of close today for your price earnings ratio. That seems high. Mm-hmm. And BEP, the Brookfield Renewable Infrastructure, has a negative 40 cent per share earning EPS. Mm-hmm. That seems bad. Like, <laughs> why are we? I don't want to invest in a business because of that. No, that's an interesting point. And, and you kind of led into another angle of this discussion that I've been thinking about because I pulled down some information from, you know, big oil companies, right? And we probably would expect them to be making transitions towards renewables, right? Because I think we'd all like to see renewable become the main power source in the future. It makes sense. It'd be, it'd be good for the planet, right? The transition of getting there. So big oils, they're still making a crap ton of money on regular fossil fuels. And I mean, I work in the aviation industry. I just said, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're allowed. (laughs) I know how much fuel that our helicopter uses. Like, right. The amount of fuel that's used to power a 747 to fly across the world, let alone the amount of transport ships, like really what we need to stop is our consumption. Like we got to reduce the consumption of energy is probably one of the biggest impacts we can have. But getting back to the big oil, they've been spinning off their investments, or maybe that's a way for them to do it because they're not making money with their renewable sectors. They're not, and they're only putting small portions of their budget and capital allocations into it each year. But do you really think a shell is going to just go out of business? They don't see the writing on the wall. They don't see the trends coming. Maybe these green companies, the whole play might just be that eventually they get up by the big oil companies when they've got their glut of money from actually making profits and have to transition to renewables. Well, that that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, do you want to invest in a bunch of green startups who might never make a profit or do you want to stick with your energy aristocrats, let's call them, who've been around forever and are going to be forced to transition into green energy, but they have the capital available to make that transition and turn it profitable. Well, and that's, I have to find a report that I was reading, but it said, even in a diminishing market, buying a solid company with good earnings that is losing market share every year, but has good profitability, has been historically proven to generate better returns than a high-flying growth company that doesn't actually have the economic backing that it's doing in sales and actually making profits and revenues. Well, you know, we say all this, and it's for entertainment purposes only, obviously. Obviously. But on the other hand, if you hit the renewable company that is the one that turns into the next big energy player, then you're going to be set for life, right? So that's the other hand, other side of yes, the coin. Sure, absolutely. If, you, if you're betting on one stock and not an ETF. There you go. That's that's the kicker. We'll, we'll introduce, we'll get into some of the ETFs a little bit later in the episode. I think you kind of started off talking about some individual companies. So let's do that. 
we're Canadians and this is the portion of the FI garage where we get derailed from our low cost index funds. And of course, perfect. Thanks for pointing that out, economists, because it is just our opinions and for entertainment purposes. I do own a utility and a pipeline. I think there's still long-term security in those companies. And The Economist brought up a good point is that they need to pivot their businesses and they've got a proven track record as being a well-managed and well-run business. As a Canadian, a lot of our majority of our sector is energy heavy, right? So, well, your whole, if you own the Canadian index, you own the TSX, you have a huge weighting towards energy. Exactly. And that's fine because you're indexing, but we have some fairly good individual choices. And this can be like the discussion that we focus on towards our, you know, the dividend investors out there. Algonquin Power came up several times in the research that I was doing today as one of the better power and utility companies that has global exposure. Uh, They have a portfolio of long-term contracted wind, solar, and hydroelectric generating facilities. They you know, they've been pretty steady eddy. They've got a good dividend. You know, full disclosure, I'm I'm long Algonquin. What do you guys think about that one? That's one of my favorite buys for 2021. I picked up a bunch a couple months ago and I plan on continuing to add to the position. What about any of the pipelines? Seems like Enbridge has been real attractive lately. <laughs> yeah, possibly the dividends sure juicy. I don't mind the downstream business. I don't want to really be involved with producers of fossil fuels, but the deliverables of that, you know, as I was saying before, is the shipping industry, the aviation industry, the industrial industry all around the world will gradually transition towards electric or hydrogen or, or whatnot. But it's it may not happen in our lifetime, full transition, right? So there's still going to be those pipelines that are going to be delivering. Like we're going to be using LNG for a lot of things, right? Absolutely. And the other analogy I like to make is the one people like to make for FI on you know, you have your drawdown rate and you're just a blind lemming and you walk off a cliff and one day you'll run out of money. Everybody knows that would never happen. If you saw your assets get significantly depleted, you'd pivot. Well, it's the same as these big oil companies. And we can discuss the, if you actually want to be morally invested in oil or not, but a lot of these are good companies and they make solid profits. So do you really think that there's nobody in that entire higher organization that's going to look at it and go, oh, uh, well, I guess we'll just walk off a cliff in three years and be out of business. Like they're going to figure out a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point there because some of what I was reading was that the reason that the valuation of some of the bigger producers are down is because they actually are starting to get into renewables and because they're hemorrhaging money trying to get in because there's huge startup cost. Yeah, for the renewable renewable business, all energy. Well, yeah, for sure, exactly. You and I just don't go out and build a dam, <laughs> not one that's going to make us money anyway. Totally, and the startup cost is so huge. And back to what the accountant said at the beginning is, you're looking at these. It's this way, right? I got to remember how to super <laughs> lofty valuations because everything is based on future earnings. It's all like a speculative of that's what it's going to be like in 10 years. And, and it may be, 
But that's been priced in now. And because these bigger companies are starting these projects or getting these projects going, they've got huge capital outlay. It lowers the value of their cost because it dilutes their actual earnings because they're spending it on something that's unrealized that does not contribute to their earnings. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And realistically, for the next probably 10, 20 years, that's only going up. I think it was, is it total energy? Uh, has committed to spending 5% of their capital budget every year, and they want to get that up to 20 by the time 2030 rolls around. Yeah, sounds reasonable. And that's like like they've built a transition plan. Like They're slowly going to transition to renewables, and they're an oil company right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can get solid profits and dividends for 10, 20 years, and then I own a renewables company, isn't that kind of the best of both worlds? So you're advocating for investing in a responsible fossil fuels company that you anticipate making a successful transition. I'm saying that could be a better investment than just straight taking TransAlta renewables or Brookfield renewables or whatever your straight renewables play is. Yeah. Well, I'm long Brookfield and I just got totally lucky at the time I I got into it last year. Uh, But yeah, that one's gone crazy. Oh yeah. In the last year as well. Well, and like I said, it doesn't even have an existent earnings per share. <laughs> like it's negative, so it doesn't have a price earnings ratio. <laughs> you're missing the point. <laughs> we get it. You it went up in value, and you're all happy. But <laughs> you own a company that doesn't make money. No, you're missing the point. Is that nowadays, <laughs> Robinhood investors don't care about profits and PE ratios. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I forgot. I. The, well, it's a the growth purpose company, of business right? is no longer to make money. It's not. It's all about speculative growth. It's all about pricing in future earnings. In the future, way out there, four lifetimes from now, they'll make money. Yeah. Okay. Have you heard of interjects? Inner interjects? No. Me neither. <laughs> Let's skip that one. <laughs> On to the next. <laughs> I, I brought it up because it'll be in the show notes. For you jack wagons. Uh, It was just three Canadian renewable energy stocks with sustainable dividend growth. And so Algonquin, which you mentioned, Brookfield Renewable, which you mentioned, and Interjects was the other one. And I honestly, I don't know a lot about it. um, And I didn't have time to dig deep into it. But just in the brief that I can scan here in the article, they've got a whole bunch of hydroelectric. They've got 26 wind farms and five solar farms. Uh, Sounds like they're international as well. They're Canada, United States, France, and Chile. So yeah, I mean, for dividend players at home that want to look into this, maybe I think you've got to do some due diligence and make sure there's a good underlying business there to support their expansion into renewals. And yeah, you got to remember this is capital intensive. Totally. Yeah, and I mean, I think we can probably agree that the you know utilities are a defensive stock, right? We're always going to need to heat our homes and run electricity and things like that. All right, shout out to today's sponsor. We do appreciate that. It is Fire We Go, and they have a blog you can find. It's firewego.com. And this is a Canadian Canadians couple. Canadian couple. Canadians couple, like the Montreal Canadians couple. <laughs> a Canadians couple's <laughs> journey to financial independence. Good thing we already got the payment, boys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Christine and John are a mid 40 something 
Canadian couple who live in Ontario and they are on their journey to fire, which they plan to hit by 2028. They've started a blog. They do dividend updates. They do their net worth updates. They've got a bit of an interesting strategy, which is worth checking out. They, they crush some debt to start their journey and now they are catching up by using they're leveraging their HELOC uh, in a, a form of the Smith maneuver. Nice. And they've also got a really good maneuver. They, uh, what do they call it? They call it the Mustachian inversion. <laughs> and they might have to correct me on that. We'll have to check the show notes and look that one up. But so the Mustachian inversion is their house. They've got a, a split level with a suite, right? So what they did is instead of renting out the suite, they flipped it. They moved into the suite, which is totally adequate for them. And they're renting out their main floor where they can get way better revenue for it. So nice. yeah, they called it the mustache and inversion. So good for them for house hacking. Love that. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That might be the only actionable thing of the whole episode right there. <laughs> and it didn't come from any of us. <laughs> no. no. Came from the sponsor. Seems about right. Fire we go. They're lovely people. Uh, we've I've chatted with them before, and they also started YouTubing this year as well. So we are. They have an intro for their YouTube channel, which you guys should check out. So head over there and subscribe to their YouTube and subscribe to ours too, because we're on there as well. So thanks a lot to Fire We yep. Go. Uh, good luck on your fire journey. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Thanks. Wow, that was heartfelt. It was. I cheers <laughs> and everything. <laughs> We appreciate our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Always. We do. We do. We do. Now, getting back to green energy, and which tab do I have open? Oh, God. <laughs> That's where it we're is. going next. It's uh, <laughs> whichever one's Chrome open. Roulette. Chrome Roulette. <laughs> Chrome, yeah, Google Chrome Roulette. There you go. We started talking about some individual companies. So let's kind of work on that a little bit. Oh, we're not done with them? Well, I wanted to bring up one. Well, it's funny because I called it Green Leaf in a previous episode. I think our New Year's episode. Uh, it's Green Lane. Right. Oh, okay. Green Lane, I've heard of. I didn't know what you were talking about with Green Leaf. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I was like, it sounds like a marijuana company, Green Leaf. <laughs> Green there is Lane. One called Green Leaf. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably why I thought of it. Did you? Okay, so what is it then? Do you know what it is? No. <laughs> I've just heard of it. <laughs> It exists. Uh, here and I thought this was going to be a good episode. <laughs> it, well, it might be. <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for. <laughs> okay. So liquid natural gas is still largely used and will continue to be used for quite a while. But there's a thing now, or not a thing now, there is a thing called renewable natural gas. And there's an expanding market for renewable natural gas. There are several countries around the world that have mandated that a certain percentage of the natural gas that is used in their pipelines to or for their countries and provinces will be a renewable source of the natural gas. So anyway, Green Lane. So it was a TFSA pick of mine this year. And again, this is not advice, but I, I sometimes I like having that little tiny speculative play. And I did do all the reading about this. Okay. So if you're going to speculate, do some due diligence, at least about the company, right? And if you do read about Green Lane, they are actually one of the major global players and they have some cool technology that is creating renewable natural gas, which they can basically, it'll be vehicle quality that can be pumped straight in. They can just feed it straight into the existing pipelines. And as mandated, that's going to be how we'll begin some of natural gas in the future. So it totally speculative. So are they actually profitable? 
Why do you ask me those hard questions? <laughs> of course, they're not possible. In I yeah, I invested in it, not because of their PE. <laughs> well, but th- this is the thing, right? Is you could like you could go crazy reading. I mean, I wanted to throw this in there, and this is as good a time as any. Is I found this investableuniverse.com website, and I it's I use the keyword energy, and it's pretty cool because they start talking about a lot of stuff. There's articles, all sorts of stuff about energy around the world, LNG, who's doing that, what's happening with solar. Goldman Sachs is getting into solar projects. They just bought one off a a Canadian company down in California. And there's, like I said, this rabbit hole is huge and wide and it's hard to navigate. There's a lot going on. And I, I definitely don't know enough to pick companies, but because of the Twitter feed that mentioned Green Lane, I started doing some reading into it. And I'm like, well, they're Canadian. I can see how they potentially could make money. So to answer your question is, I have bought them for their future earnings. Yes. And their name. And their name. And their availability. If you're like me and you can't be bothered to spend the time reading about the company. Are there any uh, ETFs we can invest in? Before we get to those, can I just say, I want a job selling investments to the mechanic because it's the (laughs) easiest job in the world. (laughs) Think of the commissions. (laughs) You'd get no commissions because they're so small. They're just so small. $5 a trade. Dabbling, dabbling. Oh, you want like the trade commissions? I'm not a trader. Oh, sorry. $5 an investment. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, you could, there'd be a beer fund. <laughs> <laughs> ETFs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing I did the research on that for you boys. <laughs> I'm sure there are more ETFs than these two that we're going to mention here. The reason we're talking about these is because A, <laughs> I, screw, I screwed up and bought one of them. <laughs> of course you own one of them. <laughs> That's like, full disclosure, I own everything we talk about in this show. (laughs) Did you buy it today while you were researching? I hope so. No, no, no. I bought it. I bought it early January. But well, the funny thing was, is I bought it in my TFSA. And as soon as the trade went through and I looked at it, I'm like, US, damn it. (laughs) It's, it's, um, it's US domiciled ETF. So of course I got mm. currency exchange. Now I hold a US domiciled ETF in my TFSA. So there you go, uh, listeners. Uh, we're not perfect either. We screw up. Well, I, <laughs> I don't want to call we here. Uh, so the two are, is there's the iShares Global Clean Energy ETF, ICLN. And more recently, we have a Canadian one from Harvest Portfolio Group, which is HCLN, which is uh, Clean Energy for Canada. Now, interesting thing about both of these is they don't have the same holdings and they only hold, I think, one's 30 companies, one's 40 companies. So they're not super diversified by any means. I mean, how many? I guess there's a ton more renewable companies than that, but... (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's lots, lots more. And just scrolling through these, none of them jump out at me as as you would expect, like as a big company that already makes money. They're new. They're small. They're innovative. They're trying to do different things, right? So I don't know anything about them. And honestly, like I would I go through all 40 holdings and try and figure out if the company's investable? And the chances are like the account keeps coming back to is they probably aren't. So, well, and what's your expense ratio on one of those? I assume it's higher than your standard. 
you know, it's not terrible. The U.S. listed one I clean is 0.46, and okay. the Canadian one is 0.4. So it's not terrible. You know, this comes back to the same thing that we were talking about in the tech episode, right? Is like, do you want a little bit of tilt this way? And let's remember that these are theme-oriented ETS. There's right. always been theme-oriented ETS. And we shouldn't be chasing those because the only time these become popular is when they're overvalued. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and I think we're, I mean, like I said, I, I was a victim of it too. Do we believe that the green energy trend is going to keep going and eventually be profitable for some companies? Totally. I, I think yeah. it is, right? It's here, yeah. to stay. it's here to stay. It's it's part of, we're in the third industrial revolution and the energy side is part of that trend that we're going through. Of these 40 companies, maybe 10 are profitable. Maybe I don't, I have no clue. Do you use this as your tilt? Do you, you say that? Or like you said earlier, do you just pick a high quality, you know, Canadian company or international company that you've, you know, that eventually is going to get there? What do you think? I mean, with, oh, I said it. <laughs> doesn't, no, it doesn't go on the board. Oh, when that, where's yours? If you're investing in the ETF with 40 holdings, you could miss the company that, leads the way with clean energy right like uh, yeah I, I agree and i don't think this is a better performance play okay i think a lot of people are making the green and renewables play on a moral standing as opposed to i expect better returns from this right. and if you're doing that i think you're better off in esg than strictly in renewable energy uh, from a return standpoint from a return standpoint so I haven't dug into the ESG as much as the economist has. Are they holding green energy as ESG funds? Is that one of the criteria? No. Your top 10 holdings in the ESG fund are pretty close to your top 10 holdings on the TSX. Okay. I think there might be one that's excluded, but they changed the weights a little bit. But I mean, really, there's greenwashing in the ESG ETFs as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, the other side of it, they want to give you an index fund. So they do, they, there's just not enough companies in Canada that they can exclude anybody with any bad E for the environment in the ESG, right? Yeah. Right, right. So I and I think it's the same as with clean energy. It's really cleaner energy. It's not clean. Same with right. ESG. It's better environment, better governance, better. Uh, what's the S? Social. Social. Better social. It's yeah. not good or great, but it's better. Right. Right. That's a good point because I think a lot of it wouldn't be anywhere near as fun if we called it gray energy, but right. That's what a lot of it is. Hydrogen right now is still mostly generated from gray sources. It's not green sourced. It's gray. Yeah. It still involves a lot of fossil fuel energy put into it to extract. And and that I run into this problem all the time is I look at things and go, this is another article I wanted to bring up, actually. It was... <laughs> what you're like making fun of me like i'm the kid at the front of the class that did homework <laughs> i've been making fun of that guy for 30 years 
So this was a post that you guys don't pay attention to because I have to track all the social media accounts as well. No surprise there. And it was by a, it was from the Choose FI Canada group. And he wrote an article that was titled Planes Running on Thin Air. Researchers make jet fuel from CO2. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, obviously I don't understand the science behind it, the chemistry behind it. It's sometimes the amount of energy that it takes to create the greener energy works in a laboratory setting that physically you can do this. But if you tried to scale it to the point of providing enough fuel for aviation that was um, created from harvested from CO2, I think that's just where we run into some of the problems is like, it's a scale thing. It's technically and technologically we can do it, but we can't do it yet efficiently enough to actually make it green. Cause you got to use a ton of fossil fuels to actually make the transition happen to stop using fossil fuels. It's kind of like ethanol from corn, right? Like, well, and then that comes back to the, is this an investable thing? And if right. you have to spend so many resources just to make this a green product, it's probably not cost effective either. So you're probably not going to have great profits. Is it really investable? Okay. Well, what do you, you said you'd invest in the bigger companies. Give us a something concrete that you're invested in now, other than your ETFs for, do you have a green tilt in your portfolio account? Yeah, I own TransAlta Renewables. Okay. Why? Uh, that was, it's just a legacy pick from before I knew a lot of stuff. <laughs> Is that the one where the price earnings like 70 or something? Uh, it's 67. Yeah. And I asked yeah. you if you're going to sell it. I got real maybe. close to selling it when it was at, like it was higher actually a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, but I mean, it pays a decent dividend. It's backed up by TransAlta. <laughs> so I'm happy to hold it for now. And it pays a dividend that's higher than its earnings, right? It does. Yeah. So it's so not it's exactly dr- like it's a drain. It's a safe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That's your, you've got it because it was in there. It's a dividend pair. You don't have any plans of any other gr- green tilt. No. And to be fair, when I bought it, I bought it somewhere. I think it's trading today around 23 bucks and I bought it around 10. So I've done like, I've owned this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. The price to earnings made sense once upon a time when I bought it. What about maybe. any? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, but what about, uh, we talked about utilities. Are you using any pipelines utilities? I think we kind of already asked you this, but you didn't really oh, say Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have I have four, a bunch of stock in Fortis and Algonquin I'm also yeah. okay. into. Economist? Uh, no tilt, really. Do aside you- from the ESG built-in tilt. Right. So no plans to capture any kind of green tilt at all? Not really, no. Interesting. Okay. Well, and I think that's it's totally fair because, you know, like we talked about on the tech episode is if it's the biggest news there is and the funds are going crazy or the stocks are going crazy, is that the time that you jump into something? Generally not. Generally <laughs> not. I mean, I'm guilty. I, I got in in January this year, but I think... I'm okay with that money not doing anything for a long, long time. 
Well, and unless you're the mechanic and your goal is to own one of every possible investment <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> that is a bold, bold goal. <laughs> How far are you on the way? <laughs> uh, I think I'm one one millionth of the way there. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> he looks like he's into something groundbreaking all of a sudden. Uh, no, I was just reviewing some of the uh, articles that I pulled out. Making sure we didn't miss anything. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, this this sort of topic can go a lot of different ways. And the profitability of the companies is one thing. The future of the industry as a whole is a totally another thing. The environmental impact, the... This is where it comes down to like your personal opinion really matters, I think, for this kind of investing. And oil companies may be a bargain right now. In fact, most of them are, right? But does it mean you should own them? Uh, well, and some people just don't want to own them on principle, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have taken on a little bit of a green tilt, but I'm, I'm limited. I've chosen where I'm at is pretty much my limit, and it's a small percentage. And again, I think that's what we come back to is, you want a small cap tilt, you want a tech tilt, you want green energy tilt, you want any kind of thematic representation in your portfolio as a whole. I think you make it small enough that it's it'll pay off if you're right in the long term, but it won't impact your journey to financial independence if you're a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. So not so so small that it won't make an impact, but not so big that it will impact you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hard spot to find. It it's is a hard spot to find. So yeah. slightly smaller than your tontine allocation, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, it, this is going to depend on everybody's journey and everybody's portfolio size, right? I mean, if you've got a million dollar portfolio, what's the big deal about having ten, you know, ten thousand one percent of it uh, in a tactile? Is it going to make a difference to your whole portfolio? No. But if it goes ten x, then you're going to be like, oh, that was a smart move five years ago to put it in there it would then become 10% of your portfolio, right? Yeah. Assuming that you had no growth out of the rest of the portfolio. If you had no growth out of it. But I mean... It's not that big an impact, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it comes back to, is it worth the time? Right? Yeah, good question. Well, and I think that's a lot of what we talk about is this stuff, we find it interesting, so we go after it. But I think most of the stuff, what we end up coming back to is there's absolutely nothing wrong with your plain old index and forget. Yeah, I think the reason that I wanted to talk about this and the tech one is because we've seen a ton of growth. It's unwarranted when it comes to traditional financial models of businesses. Yeah, And it's because trading is so much more accessible to everybody now in Canada and the US, there's this huge influx of uneducated traders that are buying things for future earnings and watching it go up and up and up and continue buying into the top. Right. So I, I just from a from a standpoint of if you want to be a good investor that's disciplined and know that you've got a well diversified portfolio, you don't need to chase after this stuff to make gains. If you want to chase after it, it's a choice to do because you're interested in it and, and yeah believe in it, but it's, it's not part of discipline investing, I guess is where I want to get to. Uh, you know, maybe if this was the, if the valuations it was in 2018, because I looked at some of the names I was doing. Part of my Google search was I came up with a whole bunch of 
BNN YouTube or BNN replays, which business news network with Tim Nash, who we didn't talk about on this show so far, but he's like the guru in Canada of ESG and green energy and stuff like that. And he reviewed right. a bunch of these companies back in 2018. And it was really interesting to look at their valuations back then and to hear some of the, the thoughts on them. One of the gentleman that was on there, it wasn't Tim, but he basically said, oh yeah, uh, Brookfield Renewables, it, it would never capture the green bubble. And it's like, it's gone 5X this year or yeah. more, right? You're, yeah, you're a huge well, time wrong. I think that one's catching the green bubble. But it, again, like we come back to the same thing ever, right? It's like, are you investing or are you speculating? And I know the difference. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's wrap this one up. My cider's done, so that was delicious. Yeah, you know what? It was a little bit of a nice change from beer. I definitely agree with you guys. A little sweet on the palate. I would have preferred a little drier, but... For one, it was definitely drinkable. I don't think I could do two of those. The sugar content would kill me a little bit. I'm more of a hot summer day cider guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But thanks, Stephen. Yes, thank you, Stephen. And maybe where you live, you can find a No Boats on Sunday. And thanks again to firewego.com. Go check them out. Check out their YouTube. And check us out again on our next episode of Financial Independence Garage. Thanks for listening. Good night. Farewell. Farewell.